Lord, we're just mindful of your faithfulness and your goodness in ways large and small. You have been good and kind and faithful. All across this room are stories in homes across this region, in cars, on phones, in tablets. There are stories of women and men and boys and girls who know that you have been good and you've been faithful. So we just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Would you remind us that your heart is bigger than we can comprehend? Your kingdom is greater than we can imagine. And the goodness that is coming is beyond our wildest imaginations. So we want to say thank you. We say thank you. Would you join me please in praying the prayer that Jesus taught his brothers and sisters and friends? If you don't know those words, they'll be on the screen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please be seated. It's a wonderfully sweet spirit here. Thank you for your hearts engaging in worship together. I got an email from someone this week. And uh, it says, do you know the story of Mahatma Gandhi, right? I didn't really know. And so the person gave me a bit of a background. Mahatma Gandhi was a famous leader of the country of India some season back. And um, he was very interested in Jesus. So he read the gospel accounts like crazy, specifically the Sermon on the Mount. And he was asked, why did you not become a follower of Christ? And Gandhi is reported to have said, I appreciate and honor the man, Jesus. I believe he was the son of God. I just don't know many people who call themselves Christians who look like him. And for that reason, he rejected the Christian faith. One of the things that strikes me about this fruit of the spirit stuff is that if we live repeatedly deeper into Jesus, somehow we start to live out his life readily, easily, and respectfully. And I'd like, if you'd be willing with me, to look at, um, again, Ephesians 5 and 6, but I'm gonna, I'd like to ask questions. After we read the passage, and I'm gonna talk about the work of the Spirit. I'd like to pose questions. And I wonder if you would talk back and let's see where the Holy Spirit leads us. Because I wonder if there are some, prize, some surprises for us this morning. So let me remind you where we've been. Jim, may I have the first slide, the, the, the series slide? 
So what I've been trying to use as a a sentence throughout this whole series is simply this. We are cultivating a fruit-bearing life in a culture of distractions. And so a question I have for each of us is, so having begun to talk about this, pray about this, do you find yourself being any less distracted and bearing more fruit than six weeks ago? So could we take like one minute? And if you're comfortable, would you have a conversation? Do you find yourself being less distracted and more fruit-bearing? On your marks, get set, go. You can talk out, you can talk out loud if you want. Raise your hands. Did anybody feel less distracted than six weeks ago? Yes. Ten of us. Anybody feeling um, a little more fruit-bearing? Anybody? Not many hands. Okay. Well, the remind me, so let, me, let me tell you a story. I've been trying to use, I'm, I'm, I'm really developing with you the science called neurotheology. And in one of those things, I've been using this sentence repeatedly, it is our passions that drive us, not our beliefs. So I'm going to give you a, a, a very specific story. So when I was 16 years old, we moved to California. Prior to moving there, our youth group in our churches in, in Illinois required us to, to memorize the Heidelberg Catechism, memorize the Apostles' Creed, know the contents of the Nicene Creed, and then we had to be able to stand before the elders and they would say things like, okay, Kevin, question 118. What's the question? What's the answer? So to become a member of our church, we had to memorize all this stuff. So while I was doing that in, in, in Illinois, our family moved to California. And they were doing some similar kinds of things. So our first youth group, my first youth group, this is in the, in the, in the late summer of 1971. We just had a study of scripture I'm talking about passions drive us. Study of scripture, talked about the creeds, blah, 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 blah. We got done, said amen, and went swimming. And everyone took their bathing suits off. And I thought, well, we didn't do this in Illinois. This, is, this was new. Now, you catch what I just said? We had memorized the Heidelberg Catechism. We had memorized the Apostles' Creed. We had memorized, 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 and it did nothing with our behavior. Nothing. I have a number of comments from people this week saying things like this. This fruit of the spirit stuff is, is nice in theory, but doesn't work in the real world. Okay? How would you respond to that? So let me give my response. My response is, what is my worldview? If my worldview says everything depends on my 60 or 70 years that I am here, then I better work my butt off, think the best I can, ally with the right people, because we gotta make changes now because this is all there is. 
But don't hear what I'm not saying. We need to have positive changes. But if I'm just living for the dot between the day that I was born and the day I die, that's a pretty shallow view of life. And what I'm observing is many of us live just like that. And so I'm going to talk about this now. We, we, St. Paul's going to write about this in Galatians 5. We can feed the sinful nature, and, and the sinful nature, there's a bunch of stuff that emerges, or we can feed the Spirit, walk with the Spirit, be connected with the Spirit, and there's a whole bunch of stuff that emerges from that. Now here it is, watch this. It's whatever you sow, you will reap now and forever. And so if I'm living for now, I'm kicking butt for now. I'm fighting for now because this is all I got is now. And there's truth to that. There is truth. But that's not our primary perspective. It is eternal. So I might lose a battle. I lost a son. I lost a battle. I lost a son. But my son's alive because I have an eternal perspective. So the fruit of the spirit stuff can be sissing, doesn't make any sense, and blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's keep following. So name all the famous political military people of all time. Just line them up. We talking about them today? But there are two billion people today saying, Jesus. We're still talking about Jesus. In the history, I just read, historically, in the history of humankind, there have been more than eight billion Christians. Eight billion Christians. Forever. And the fruit of the Spirit is something we experience now, but it's also something that goes on forever. So I want you to think about this. We have the opportunity now to be so connected to the Holy Spirit that with each other, with each other, we bear the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness. We can experience that now. But that's going to be forever. Every person who is in Christ in the new heaven and new earth, everyone, forever, love and joy and peace and patience, it never ends. We're tasting. Listen now. Your 60, 70 years here is practice for eternity. We're just playing practice now because we're going to die and we're going to transition to this new life, this eternal life, this never-ending life. And how you live here affects how you live there. Read the scriptures. How we live here affects how we live there forever. And it's a progressive thing. The kingdom of God keeps expanding and expanding, expanding, expanding. And the fruit of the Spirit is something we live now so that the kingdom comes through us now. And if we lose and if we die, we still win. But if I'm thinking just like this, oh, man. And I'm sad to say, I'm sad to say, that's how a lot of us live. Can I just remind you again? Secret. We're all going to die. 
And after you die, you go somewhere. Forever. 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 Well, let's look at this fruit of the Spirit, would you please? Can I have slide, uh, slide three, Jim? Let's start going through this passage. I'm going to take you through it. I'm going to break it down into three and four verses. Then I have some questions. And this is where I'd like you to talk back with me. So here we go. And I want you to notice the Holy Spirit. Look what it says about the Spirit in each of these, these, these little groups of passages. This is all of Galatians 5, 16 through chapter 6, verse 10. So I say, look at the first sentence. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Time out. This past week, how many times did you know the Holy Spirit guided your life? Would you do a quick inventory of your week? Can you think of times when the Holy Spirit guided your life? Then, then, we won't be doing what our sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Look at the first sentence. The whole, back, please, Jim. The Holy Spirit guides. Is the Holy Spirit guiding my life, your life? Farther down, do you know what the Spirit wants for you? Next phrase, and the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite, the sinful nature. So look at your life, this last week, my life. What desires have shaped me? Sinful desires, the word is sarks in Greek, the flesh. What, what has driven how I lived? Has it been what I, my, this, or do I want what the Spirit wants? Am I being guided by the Spirit of Jesus? Let's go to the next slide now, please, Jim. So the text goes on. So these two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions because there's a battle that's raging inside of us. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not under the obligations of the law, keeping all the rules. So let's go to the question now. Here's my question. How vital is the spirit of Jesus in bearing and sharing good fruit? Remember I said if, if we are walking with Jesus, and I'll explain more than that in a few minutes, the fruit of the spirit happens readily, easily, and repeatedly. It just comes out of us. So that's, that's what I've been saying. Okay, this week, I'm going to be loving. I'm going to be loving this week. No, you don't. You just be like Jesus and you will love. I'm going to be patient. No, you don't. You be hooked up with Jesus, and you will be patient. See, it's, it's, he's living his life through us. But if it's just, it's just an intellectual exercise, it's just, it's just the Heidelberg Catechism, it's the Apostles' Creed, it's the Nicene Creed, it's, it's just all the stuff we know, it doesn't affect how we live. But if you have a relationship with a person who is somehow indwelling us, this, 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 I can't get my head around this. The Jesus who died and rose has given us his breath, his spirit. And I say, I don't want it. I'm going to figure this out by myself. 
And so I gotta think the best I can, I gotta act the best I can, I gotta ally the best I can, because I gotta figure this out. And what did Jesus say? When the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into truth. So when we come with all these difficult situations in life, someone said to me, well, what do I do in this situation, or this situation, or this situation? My response, and it's not a cop-out. Ask the Lord. Unless he's dead. Yes? Ask the Lord. Ask the Lord. Open your heart. Open your mind. Why? The Spirit is living in you. The Spirit is given as a guarantee, a deposit, an inheritance. You have the Spirit of Christ in you. He's right here. What did Jesus say? He will bring you truth. But if I'm feeding my sinful nature, and I'm just feeding my sinful nature. Remember, circus of distractions? Screens, 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 screens. And then hard test seasons come. Where do I go for guidance? How about this? Holy Spirit deep within, talk to me. Talk to me. I'll get, get more of this. Let me, give, let me give you a real quick story. You know, I've told the story before. Back in the day when they didn't have screens and televisions and stuff like that, in Alaska for entertainment, guys would bring their fighting dogs to villages, and people would bet on which dog would win. Well, he would come in, get all the wagers, and he always won. And he was asked finally by someone who finally figured out, why does the dog you pick always win? And his answer was, Whatever dog I fed for the last week will win. This week, which dog did you feed? The sinful nature or the spirit? Because whatever dog you fed, that dog won. So all week long, call ourselves Christians, but where's the fruit? In our workplaces, in our teams, with our schools, with each other, where's the love? Where's the joy? Have I been feeding the dog of animosity, envy, and jealousy? If that's the dog I'm feeding, then I'm going to be that way. But if I'm feeding the dog of the Spirit of Jesus, his life is readily, repeatedly, easily lived through us. One old sage said this, the Christian faith is often failed because not many have actually tried to live it. By meaning what? Connecting with the spirit of Jesus. Well, let me go on the next one. I gotta keep moving. How about chapter five, 19 through 21? So, what happens when our sinful nature is our desire? The results are very clear. So the first three are all about sexual sin. The next eight are about relationships, and the back last two are about alcohol. So when you follow desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual, now I just want you to step back, and I want you to look at our culture today. So you tell me if you see this in culture. Just without, without there is no hiding this. Sexual morality, impurity, lustful pleasures, Idolatry and sorcery. Idolatry is idol worship. Sorcery is issues of control. Those are religious themes. And now relationships. Hostility, quarreling, jealousy, 
outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, those to alcohol, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let me go quickly. This is not about losing your salvation. This is not, I got drunk last weekend, I'm going to hell. The idea is there is a repeated choice to say, screw the kingdom of God, forget about Jesus and his kingdom, I'm gonna do whatever I want. That's what we're talking about here. Okay, look at the next slide now, look, look at my question. How are the desires of the flesh being cultivated in each of our lives this week? Now go back to the list, Jim, go back. Okay, would you just do a self-inventory? How's your sexuality been this week? What'd you watch, what'd you do, what'd you think about, how did you act? Sexual immorality, impurity, and lustful pleasures. How about idols? Did you worship a car, a kid, a job, or whatever? How about sorcery? Controlling, over-controlling, controlling people like witches do. How about relationships? Have you been hostile with the people in your workplace this week? Quarreling? Jealous? Have you blown up in anger with relationships? Do you have selfish ambition? Are you creating dissension, division in your home, in your workplace, with a team? Are you envious? To cope with pain, are you getting drunk? Crazy wild parties, other sins? Which dog are you feeding? See, the flesh just runs right here. It just runs here. And what he's saying is, oh no, oh no, 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 no. Look at my, look at my remember, this is neurotheology. We are influenced more by what we desire than what we believe. A counselor friend of mine, I was in a situation with uh, a difficult situation, relationship because of an affair in a marriage. And this was early ministry, 40 years ago. And my counselor told me, my counselor friend told me this, we don't have an affair primarily because of bad sex in our marriages. We have affairs primarily because of a lack of emotional intimacy with our spouse. And then the counselor said this, I've never forgotten it. We humans are smart enough to get our basic desires met. The question is where and with whom. You and I are more influenced by what we desire than what we believe. We, we, can, we can stand in church and we can sing songs and we can raise our hands and we can love being in church. Listen now, but if it does not affect how you live, it is worth nothing. We should look like Jesus, period. And that's why I've said for years, if I'm the same person this year that I was two years ago, then I have a problem. If you see me to be more bearing the sinful nature acts, please find me. Invite me to repent, confess, and turn around. But it's not just me. It's all of us. Remember, you are influenced more by what you desire than what you believe. Next slide, please. Let's go back to the text. So now he's going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. But, but, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love 
and joy, peace, patience. The Holy Spirit produces, the Spirit produces. What did Jesus say? Apart from me, you can do nothing. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these things. Now, look at this next sentence, next verse, verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Now, I want you to think about that. This is brutal language in the original. So I want you in your mind, I'm going to be careful with children here. Mike keeps reminding me I've got to be careful with language of children. So I want you to think about the gruesome nature of Christ's crucifixion. I want you to, adults, students, imagine here you have, a, you have a piece of wood, you have a piece of wood, and you have an innocent man laying here. I want you to imagine those soldiers with those great big mallets and those massive spikes. I want you to think about hit. What happens? Blood and guts are flying. Blood and guts are flying. That's the language of that verse. You take your sinful nature and you kill it. You kill it. Blood and guts blowing up everywhere. Kill it. How do we do it? We repent and we confess. When we live in the sinful nature, we say, Lord, I did it. I'm envious, I'm jealous, I'm ambition, I'm watching porn, I'm getting drunk, whatever it is. I confess, I repent, and I kill it again. Those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. And then, next, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. This is why I said to you, when people ask me, what about this and what about this? And I say to them, they think I'm just copping out. I say to them, you ask the Lord. You ask the Lord. Stay with me. Stay with me. If he's alive, if he is actively involved in all of creation, if his kingdom is coming here in all kinds of ways, if he's returning as the king, and if he has given us his spirit, do you think he wants to talk with us? Example, four sons, three here. I would never, ever, ever kill one of my sons for anybody in this room. No way, ever. But God so loved the world that he killed his one and only son. Are you going to tell me he doesn't want a relationship with you? Really? If, if I was courageous, stupid, or whatever enough to let one of my sons die for you, do you think I would never want to talk to you again? If I loved you that much, you think Jesus does not want to talk to you today? We have to learn to hear. But it comes back to our passions. Am I just feeding this sinful nature? 
what am I feeding? What am I thinking about? Where, am I, where are my passions going? Or are they going this way? Whichever dog you feed, that dog wins. Well, look at the questions they ask. Next, next slide, please, Jim. How can we partner with the Spirit in bearing and sharing good fruit? Fundamentally, we have to make time. We have to make time to learn, to listen, to hear the voice of God. And, he, he, and the Lord speaks to us all uniquely. So I'll, I'll tell you, my, the only time I heard the voice of God, literally I heard a voice one time. It was July in 1992. We had visited Pella, Lane's parents in Montezuma. There was a conversation here. On the way back, I said to Lane, I never want to live in Pella, Iowa. Too small, too, blah, blah, blah. About a month later, in my office in Paramount, California, I heard a voice. And the voice said, you will become the pastor of the Third Reformed Church in Pella, Iowa on January 1, 1993. And I was. And I am. That was the only time I heard a voice. But I have heard him speak thousands and thousands and thousands a still small voice. There's something in the head, there's something in the heart, I know it's the Lord. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. How do we partner? We say, Lord, I want to be in relationship with you. I want to be connected with you. I want to be one with you. I want, I want, I want, I want your life repeatedly, easily, beautifully lived through us. Now watch this. Remember, the path to spiritual and emotional maturity is rooted in the practices and presence of Jesus. We don't become like Jesus unless we say, Lord, I want to partner with you. Listen to this. The kingdom of God is opposed to earning. It is not opposed to effort. That's why I use the metaphor of, of cultivating a whole. There's something I need to do, but fundamentally, it's the Lord who does the work. Okay, next one, I gotta hurry on a little bit here. So now chapter six, seven through 10, because I wanna talk about the law of the harvest. Don't be misled, you cannot mock the justice of God. And, and yous are plural, it's always, every, every you is a plural. We will always harvest what we plant. Those who live only to satisfy our own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Now let's talk about everlasting life. Many people think everlasting life begins when we die and we go to heaven. May I respectfully and carefully say that is incorrect. At the moment, you become one of Jesus' own. Eternal life has begun. And the Spirit harvests everlasting life. Watch it now. It doesn't end. We get to heaven, everything's just hunky-dory. Oh, heavens no, brothers and sisters. 
there is a progressive revealing of the goodness and the greatness of our God, our triune God that goes on forever. I want you to think about this. What did Jesus do? When Jesus rose from the dead, he had a resurrection body. All of a sudden, he appears. You're going to have that body. Hang on. How many trillion galaxies are there? you will be able to explore the fullness of whatever God has created. There is everlasting life that goes on forever. And it starts now. Now. We live in the kingdom now. The spirit of the God, living God in us now. And we're practicing for what will be forever. Those who live to please the spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Next, next slide, watch this. So, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. Next slide, Jim. Do you understand the significance of the law of the harvest? Whatever seeds we plant... Sinful nature of the spirit. First service, we had a bunch of some farmers here. I'm not a farmer, I do a little bit, not much. But if my understanding is, if a farmer plants seeds of corn, he'll probably get. And if the farmer plants seeds of soybeans, he'll probably get what? So what do you what do you what do you, what do you put in the what do you put in the ground in your own heart? The things of the sinful nature? Well, you know it's going to grow, don't you? Drunkenness, envy, selfish ambition, anger, factions, porn. Or, or, you sell for the spirit. And what are you going to have? Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. Now and forever. You get to practice now or forever. Remember, this is neural theology. The human, this is just crazy to me. It's amazing. And it's just a, it's a really fast aside. Talked to some people last week. If you want to look at some fascinating research, Dr. Daniel A-M-E-N. He does incredible work with brains. World famous. They take scans of brains, and he is able to see in the scans with the technology they develop, they can see in a person's brain where trauma pain, loss, or brokenness is. And they developed their healing ministry about targeting that space. The human brain is built, maintained, and transformed by whatever it is attached to. And if I'm attached to my screens, what I'm going to have is the fruit of the sinful nature. But if I'm attached to Jesus, Jesus said, remain in me and I remain in you, what's going to grow from that relationship is love and joy and peace and patience. Does that make sense? So, this, and so if, if you let me just go and I get really, I, I can go crazy on this. I feel like I need to be just waving my arms week after week because I love you so much. Don't waste your life. Don't lose your life. Don't blow up your life. Stay connected to Jesus.
when you come back next week. Because next week I'm going to tell you a story from the scriptures that puts all this together. Let's pray. In the recesses of your own heart, if you're longing for more of the Spirit's presence in your life, could you ask for that right now? For more. More life, more love, more goodness. If there's something of the sinful nature that needs to be crucified, may I invite you respectfully to confess anything that is giving room for the sinful nature to grow in your life. Confess, repent, crucify it. Now would you ask for more of the Holy Spirit's breath, his life, more space in your person to be filled to the fullness of the goodness of God. Lord, we're asking for more so that we might bring you glory, that we might honor you that people might be drawn to your kingdom because your life is being lived through us. So come, Lord Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen.